it's the difference between being commission minded and mission minded, right? So I'm, I was I am one hundred percent mission minded, not commission minded. And what I meant by that, and it wasn't that the money wasn't important. Yeah, I need to feed my family, and I. But after money is off the table, and what I mean by money is off the table, once you, once it's not about the money, once it's about the impact in this world that you're making, it doesn't matter what you're doing. Hi, and welcome to Building Perspective with Matt Riley and Molly Elkman. We're here to bring value to you and your team by exploring all things sales and marketing related. All from different perspectives. Today, our focus of discussion is the mindset of successful selling with our very special guest, Chad Sanchagrin from Cannonball Mindset. But first, let's dive into our top topics of the week. All right, topics of the week. All right, I'll go first this time, Molly, and uh, talk a little bit about something that I see and something that I hear on a really on a weekly basis, whether it's whether you read an article, somebody updating something about the state of marketing, whether, you know, clients are asking questions. It's just out there all the time. And and really, it's is social media still relevant in your marketing platform? Should it be part of your day to day business strategy? And for me. Absolutely, 100% without a doubt, yes. And I think we actually touched on this, Molly, in our in our um, group two autocomplete challenge. And episode two should be by the time this airs, this should also that video episode two should also be out. But we talk about that a little bit there as well. But I found uh, I found an interesting article with some uh, infographics. I love the infographics because it makes it really easy to read the statistics. But so this is on social media today. And obviously, uh, we'll post the link to this in the show notes. You'll be able to get to it. But so here are some stats about uh, about the, really the social the state of social media. So we've got on average, we have 3.2 billion people right? Which is 42% of the world population, by the way, um, that are active on a daily basis on the different social media platforms. That ma- that number is massive. 3.2 billion people that are active daily all across the world. And then we go back down into the United States specifically, and we see Facebook is the market leader of that. And they're showing that 68% of all Americans are on social media on a daily basis. So if we've got roughly almost 50% of the world's population on social media, and then 68% of Americans are on social media on, on specifically on Facebook on a daily basis, do we think that might have an impact? You know, I definitely think that's something that we want to, we want to make sure we're paying attention to and how, and, and, bring it in as part of our overall strategy. Um, but kind of go a little as we bear with me as I rattle off some stats here, because we're going to talk about this a little bit more, but we start looking at, all right, now who does, who makes that up? Cause people will say, you'll get, I'll hear people say, yeah, I get it. There's a ton of people on social media, but we sell houses and not that the people that are on social media, they, they can't buy a house yet. They're not old enough yet. We think of the the teen, the teenagers and, you know, nine and 10 year olds, the middle school, elementary school and middle schoolers, Trust me, this is not it. So this is how the breakdown goes. We've got 90% of millennials, which, oh, by the way, is the single largest group of housing purchasers in the market right now. So 90% of millennials are on a, on social media daily. 77% of Gen Xers 
and then 48% baby boomers. So Molly, do any of those numbers, does any of that surprise you at yeah, all? Yeah, I think uh, the boomers is actually surprising. I would definitely think it's much higher. Oh, so you actually think you would predict that you th would have predicted it would have been yeah. higher than that. Well, all right. No, I, I like it. I like that they thought it would have been higher. But if you, the, so those are really compelling. So if you look at these, just the two, the bookends of this. So 90% of millennials and almost 50% of boomers. And those are the two largest housing purchaser segments that are out there. Between those two, they make up, I, I think, I, I'd have to, somebody get the uh, fact checker out on me here, but I think it's like 80%, that would make up like 80% of the purchases. Something like that. But again, 83% of all statistics are made up on the fly anyway. So what's it matter? Uh, we'll put the actual numbers <laughs> in the show notes. That's right. <laughs> but on top of that, this is, I think, what is crazy to me is how much time they actually spend with the average time per day. Two hours and 22 minutes. Wow. Two hours and 22 minutes are spent daily on social networks and messaging. That is crazy. Does that make you feel like but, sad or empowered? Maybe I a know, little bit a of both. A little bit, right? <laughs> yeah. So there's there's a lot more in there for this. There's more, we're not gonna obviously drill down to every single one of these and because it's a big long infograph. Um, but it, it is really, really good and it shows if done correctly that it should have a massive impact on your business. And also one of the things I feel like that we have to continue to have the conversation about or on, I should say, is shifting away from not everything is that what I would call that last click mentality of the last place they saw me gets 100% of the credit. There is an entire buyer journey or sales funnel that goes upriver uh, or upstream that plays into effect, right? And so I think that because we have all these measurables now, these all these tools in place that allow us to measure so many things um, that we didn't rewind really 10, maybe less than 10 years ago, um, that people want to see, well, I just want to see this exact thing and it helped sell me my this house. But before when we were running radio and TV and it was billboard heavy, like those were intangible, but yet we knew as part of our business, it was something that we were not willing to separate with. And for some of us out there, it's still things that we're not willing to separate with. So we still have to think of top of funnel and middle of funnel um, and how these things play up, play a part in everything upstream and not just click buy. Right. So that's, that's kind of my article and thought topic of the day to kind of kick us off. So what, what about you, Molly? What do you have today? That was a good today? one. Um, so I came across an article on AdAge, and we'll put it in the show notes so you guys can check it out. But it caught my attention, not because the image looks like a picture of aliens, but because of the headline, which is why more brands are ditching the CMO position. So this caught my attention specifically uh, being in marketing. Why are people ditching this marketing role? And um, essentially what it comes down to is that these huge brands are combining sales and marketing, which really made me laugh because for years I have been saying sales and marketing are two separate positions, but the housing industry has combined them into one. 
to cut costs, but now other industries are actually doing that. So for once, I think we're ahead of the game. Um, we have already combined sales and marketing into one role for most of our, our biggest builders and our mid-sized builders. Um, but I think we kind of did it by accident and we did it um, you know, a little bit ahead of the curve. But the reason these two positions are combining now um, definitely resonates and it's because sales and marketing really go hand in hand. And in this, in this article, they talk about the art and science of marketing is melding together. And I think, you know, that really makes me think about everything we're doing every day here at group two, but also Matt, your personality, my personality, how we look at things, the art and the science and how they do need to be melded together. You can't have one without the other. Um, so I love AdAge. It's a good resource for um, people who love, you know, the creative side of things and the art side of things. And again, they picked a pretty bad image here, but I think the content is pretty good and it's a nice little pat on our shoulder that we're on the right track. Yeah, no, I agree 100%. And I think it, I think now, because now, especially more than ever, because I actually do feel like you were right before, Molly, that they were separate positions. Um, not, you know, they, they should have been separate positions before. But I think now, with in the digital age, that it melt the, the buyer journey as a whole and sales and marketing are more closely joined at the hip than they ever have been before because sales and marketing are kind of running side by side and, and really having that singular person. And for me, my experience as a VP of sales and marketing at a home builder, it, it worked really, really well because I controlled both. And there was never any of the, you can't no one, you guys can't see me doing this, but the old imagine pointing fingers, right? Everybody pointing at the other direction, marketing saying sales isn't converting sales saying marketing's not giving us good leads. But when it all comes down, I mean, you can have some people, you can have a marketing manager and a sales manager that are running the, you know, the day to day. But when it comes to the top level strategy, having that one singular person, not necessarily that CMO, but whether it's a VP of sales and marketing or a director of sales and marketing, but someone that pulls it all together and says, no, 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 this is the buck stops right here. Um, cause that might be, because the article may be a little misleading thinking that it's just all combined and it's now just one person doing the day-to-day -day right. and, and the I, overall I have to say, I do think, you know, within our industry, you have one person, if you're going to have someone with the strongest marketing mindset or the strongest sales mindset, I mean, at the end of the day, we need to sell homes. So you need a strong sales person who understands sales leadership and, and really those numbers because no marketing matters if it's not converting to sales. So quite frankly, it's why group two exists because builders today want that strong salesperson. And then we get to be uh, the marketing department that supports them knowing that our job is just to drive the traffic and that it's all about sales always. It, it's always about sales because there's nothing to market. There's nothing to build. What I always like to say, there's no beans to count Absolutely. until somebody sells something, right? All right. That's a good article. Uh, good pick. Good choice for the week. And I think it's incredibly relevant to our topic of the day today, um, our discussion point, our focus of discussion for the week, which is the mindset of successful selling and how we bring those mindsets, those two different mindsets together um, and, and really help people propel themselves to the next step. So 
We're going to take a quick break. And when we do, we're going to dive in into our focus discussion of the week with our very special guest, Chad Sanchigan from Cannonball Mindset, Cannonball Moments. His podcast is The Cannonball Mindset. And we're so excited to have him on. And we're going to dive in. And Chad always has just some amazing, compelling thought processes that are really going to, honestly, it could change your life. This show could change your life on, on a serious, serious note. So awesome. All right. We'll take a quick break and then we'll be right back. back we are back from break and we're going to dive into our focus discussion of the week and this week it is the mindset of successful selling and we have a very special guest with us this week we have the one the only chad sanchergan from cannonball mindset chad welcome to the show thanks so much for coming on oh my gosh that, that's a, i don't know if i've ever been referred to as the one and the only that's awesome <laughs> i'm glad it's being recorded because that's going to be my ringtone from now on <laughs> i'll when we're done here i will uh, i'll send you the audio file chad and you can save it as your ringtone my intro and everything you can have that's awesome i'm gonna listen to it over and over it. that's awesome thanks for having me on absolutely well, Chad, why don't we start? Tell us a little bit about, we'll tell our audience really a little bit about yourself um, and, and your company, what you do, and then we'll dive into uh, let you tackle and talk about the, the mindset of successful selling. Yeah, perfect. So I, I, um, I am a sales professional by heart, by, by birth, really. I think really most people are sales professionals when they're born. Um, and then somehow we just beat it out of them. But the, I'm a sales professional and I work with people all over the country and I have clients in the Middle East that I help them achieve their success through having the right sales mindset. Uh, I own a company called Cannonball Moments. I have a podcast called Cannonball Mindset. And it really is about unlocking this, this uh, ability we have to be successful. I think everybody has this ability. I think most people just don't know it. And so we just help unlock that by maybe changing, helping them change the stories that they tell themselves. So it sounds sounds uh, pretty fancy, but really it is just helping them reprogram their what they see and what they want in their life, and that, that's it. And I, it's, it's the most amazing job in the history of the world. I'm in. That's awesome. That's awesome. Okay, so you travel all over the world. You speak. You go do keynotes. <laughs> you train people, executives, sales staffs. Yeah. And so you have all this reach, this global reach um, of people yeah. of all, all different, all different industries. Yeah. Um, and so from what you see from the people that you're talking to, what do you see as some of the core mindsets of the most successful sales professionals? Yeah, I, I love that question. And I would even, I would even go for, so far as um, just take out the sales professional. I know we're talking about sales professionals today, but I think the, the mindset of the most successful people in the world is the same. It doesn't matter if you're a sales professional, if you're a, an, a professional athlete, if you're a doctor, if you're a teacher, if you're the drive-through person at Chick-fil-A. I think the most successful people in the world uh, all share the same same belief system. Same, And your mindset is nothing more than a collection of your beliefs, so it's your belief system. And for me, I think... One of the first ones, and I get a lot of a lot of weird faces when I when I say this, but I think the biggest the biggest mindset, the biggest um, belief system that you have to have, is one of pride. 
And and the reason I think I get weird faces is because we've been taught for so long through scripture, through uh, our upbringing, not to have pride, not to like, and, but the way that the Bible, the way that most people take pride is not pride being, hey, I'm better than somebody else. But I think the most successful people in the world have an immense sense of self-love and their self and self-pride, their pride in what they do. And we've heard that before. Like you, I'm sure you've heard Matt before. Hey, you, sh- you need to have a lot of pride in what you do. Have you ever heard that or told your kids or told somebody, you know, you need to be proud of your work or you maybe even you said to your kids, hey, I'm really proud of how you did this. Have you ever said that? Oh, all the time. Yeah. So, 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 but when you ask, when you really uncover that, a lot of people don't feel great about what they do, especially in sales. Because if you think about it, how many people do you know that set out in their life to be a great sales professional? Not many. Uh, right? No, not many. I mean, I never thought, I never woke up, you know, growing up thinking, I'm going to go, I'm going to be a sales professional because yeah, I, right. I was, still am, right? Yeah, yeah. Most people don't say that. Most people, they don't, they say, hey, I'm going to go, I'm going to study really hard. I'm going to get a four-year degree and then I'm going to, I'm going to be the best sales professional in the history of the world, right? It never, I've, I've yet to meet somebody. I'm sure there are people like that and it's becoming more socially acceptable to be in sales, but most people haven't set out on that path. So think about it. You end up in sales and I ended up in sales by happen not not happenstance but i was i managed hotels for a number of years and i woke up one day in my 30s and i said to my wife i wanted to do something different i never went to high school i never went to college i didn't go to high school i never went to college and the i didn't i'd only worked in hotels you know how many jobs there are for people who only work in hotels and want to do something different than hotels that don't have a college degree almost none when did you figure right. that out, though? When when was it that you discovered that pride was the key to the mindset? Oh, oh, uh, it, it was it was probably two years into my my um, selling career at when I was selling new homes. It was I realized the better I felt about what I did, the more I tackled things with such a sense of self love and self pride. Like I felt so good about what I was doing. And it was selfish. Like selfishly, I felt, man, I'm making a difference in the world. I saw the cause and effect of my behavior. So when I, when a customer would walk into the model home and they were searching for their new home, their dream home, or they were, uh, I remember, I remember one couple, the Oldenburgs, they were expecting their second child. And they had like a three, they have a three-year-old daughter and they were expecting their second child. And this was going to be their forever home. They were young. They're, they're, they are young. And, Man, I saw it from beginning to end, and I saw the impact on the day they moved in, and it was it was amazing to see that impact that they like the joy and love that they had, and I created these stories in my head of what the what dinner was going to be like at their house and what Christmas mornings were going to be like, and it and it did amazing things for that family, but selfishly, man, it like there's no amount of money, there's no amount of of accolades that will ever like recoup that feeling I felt. And I realized, man, if I, if I saw the pride, if I had pride in what I did, and I saw that I really made a difference in this world, in, in that action, I wanted more of it. And the more I wanted, like the more I did that, the more I wanted that feeling of making a difference in the world, the more proud I felt of my behaviors and what I was doing on this earth, the more successful I became, the more homes I sold. It was a direct correlation. I love that. Most, you know, 
Sorry, I love that because so many salespeople, it's all about money and making money. And you're talking about something that goes much deeper and much further than that. Yeah, that's right. And listen, there's, there's nothing wrong. Like, it's the difference between being commission-minded and mission-minded, right? So I'm, I was I 100% mission-minded, not commission-minded. And what I meant by that, and it wasn't that the money wasn't important. Yeah, I need to feed my family. and I, But after money is off the table, and what I mean by money is off the table, once you... Once it's not about the money, once it's about the impact in this world that you're making, it doesn't matter what you're doing. And that's what this is. This is this is why I believe it doesn't matter the, whether you're a sales professional or a doctor. Or, like, think about this. If I said to you, Molly, if I said, "Hey, Molly, um, imagine this. Imagine this hypothetical, right? You go into a laboratory and you create the cure for cancer." And you, you're, you're a scientist, you create the cure for cancer, and all it is is a pill. And if, the, and if people take this pill, regardless of the cancer they have, they'll be, the cancer will be gone immediately. There's no, there's no side effects. There's no, you have discovered the cure for cancer. How, how impactful would you feel? How good, what, like how significant would you feel in this world about being able to deliver this to people to extend their lives, to take uh, away disease? That would be pretty that? amazing. How good would you feel? That would Pretty amazing, right? And why would you feel? Why would you feel so amazing? Lives better. Because you're making people's lives better. So, so why why do we? Why is there a difference between that and me, the person selling somebody a home? It's your platform. So, so that platform of me selling a home, of somebody selling somebody a home, of of somebody making somebody's day at Dunkin' Donuts in the morning, right? That is your platform. And so, if we understand that. No platform is more important than another. Here's the thing, though. I have a question because I am not a natural salesperson like Matt and like Chad. I don't come from a background of sales. So for me, when I think of the best salesperson, I often think that they could sell anything. And that Mm -hmm. makes me think, so what do you do as a sales professional if you don't necessarily believe wholeheartedly in what you're selling? Yeah, it, you. I don't think. I don't think you can. I think you can have. I think you can have some levels of success because there's always going to be some, um, some some market sales. There's always going to be things that just happen and right time, right place. But I don't think you maximize your success. And again, I'm not talking about success in in, in a dollar figure amount. I'm talking about your impact because that's all sales is. Sales is I have something that is going to impact your life. I don't care if it's a car, if it's a house, if it's bonbons. I don't care what it is. But everything, everybody has the ability to impact somebody's life. And if you can cause, it doesn't matter. I shouldn't say it doesn't matter. But if you call, if you can tie the cause and effect, like what I'm doing, this is what this is my product, this is whatever it is I'm selling, into how it improves somebody's life, and you see it from end to end, it is almost impossible for you not to feel some sense of, pride and self-worth and when you feel that when you feel that pride you will want more of that feeling that's why the greatest we know that the greatest motivation in the world come from daniel pink and you know james clear all everybody in the world you know i think has oh, yeah. agreed that the greatest form of motivation is intrinsic motivation you've heard that right matt yeah absolutely and and i think that i think it's also that a personal belief system, right? And like you mentioned before, everybody, it's your platform. You mentioned before Chick-fil-A. Yeah. I mean, 
I always find that a, a really interesting example because, you know, you have someone, you have multiple people out there. Let's just say, you know, it's, it's July 22nd here in Raleigh, it's 95 degrees. Yeah. Uh, and you could go drop down to the Chick-fil-A and you're going to find people standing out in the drive through on black asphalt yeah. um, with a smile on their face, telling you to have a great day. It was their pleasure to serve you because their platform at that very moment right. is making your experience better by getting you through the line quickly yeah. and efficiently and on your way with the right order. Correct. Right. Yeah. And so, I mean, I have no idea what they're making 12 bucks an hour, but if I, I always look at that and go, my goodness, if I could get that person to, or that personal mindset into someone selling homes, for example, or whatever, it doesn't matter. But when you have that type of personal belief in what it is that you're doing on a day-to-day -day basis, then you can't help but be successful. Agreed. Agreed. Because that's exactly, that's a hundred percent accurate because that feeling, it's not about success in life isn't about an object. It's about a feeling. So what happens is I go back to what I was talking about with motivation. So intrinsic motivation is the greatest form of motivation, right? Well, motivation that comes from within. Well, yep. the greatest form of intrinsic, the way to have, feel the most intrinsic motivation is pride. So when I do something, think about it. If you go today, Matt, and let's say um, you want to go for a run. You want to work out. Your goal today is to go work out. And you go and work out. Let's say you, you know, you had a long day. And you were on call after call. You had this guy on a podcast that wouldn't shut up. And you're like pulling your hair out, right? And so you want you want to blow off some steam and you really want to go work out. But the circumstances weren't great. But you went to the gym and you worked out. And you had a great workout. How do you feel after? How do you think you feel after that workout? Substantially better. Substantially better that I think it's two things. One, that for me at least, and I would think this would be the case for most, that you you did something that at the time you I, you knew you needed to do but didn't really feel like doing and you did it anyway yeah. and then so that sense of accomplishment and two you physically feel better because it's now you're now in the reward phase of, of right. that workout right perfect so let's go to the first one so you feel this sense of accomplishment well the sense of accomplishment is nothing more than pride right you feel you're proud of yourself you're proud of yourself that you did something that you set up, you, you hit a goal, you whatever, you do a random act for kindness for somebody. How do you feel? You feel feel pr proud about what your behavior, correct? Yep, yep. And, and after that, when you feel that, what do you want more? That same exact feeling, right? I want more of that, that dopamine hit. I want more that, of that. That's exactly right. So, so the idea is if I can find a way to feel proud, pride, pride in myself about what I'm doing, then... I, and I see this through. I, I take a behavior. It's not even about the result. You can separate yourself from the result. If I today in sales, the sales don't happen every single day. Like somebody's not buying a home every day. So you have salespeople that are in model homes, but it, that are maybe aren't going to sell a house today, aren't going to get us a contract signed on the, on the dotted line today. But if I can do one thing today that moves me further, I feel really good about a behavior Man, I want more of that feeling. Man, I check things off the box. I gosh, I can do. That's where how you get momentum. That's how you get, you know, this this immense feeling. That's why we sell homes in bunches because we feel so proud. That pride keeps us going. And and the same thing on the opposite side. So go back to what I said in the beginning. Salespeople don't set out to be salespeople. 
And most people have a negative connotation about salespeople. So they're already starting behind the eight ball that they don't feel good about what they're doing. Well, if you don't feel good about what you're doing, then what, what do you think <laughs> that sure leads to? I'm sure it does not lead to sales. But yeah, it mean, yeah, feels to shame and regret and remorse and all these things. So to me, like the greatest people in the world really believe, regardless of what they're doing, that they're making a difference in the world. I, I do performance training. I do sales training and leadership training. Keynotes. I feel such a sense of pride in what I'm doing. Now, it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't, doesn't come without hard work because you have this critic in your head that constantly wants to knock you down. But I feel such a sense of pride in what I'm doing that I want more of it. And it's not pride in the fact that I believe I'm better than any other human being. It's pride in the fact that I believe that I'm living out my purpose and I'm making a difference in the world. And if people felt that, if we could, if you could somehow instill more of that, my gosh, think yeah, about, Chad, the, think you about what a, you a mentioned earlier, um, exercising and random acts of kindness. Now I, I have known you for a while now and you are always doing something. And it seems as though it really all comes back to this idea <laughs> of um, surrounding yourself with different activities, people and things that bring you this sense of pride. So what are some other examples in your life of areas that you use to build this pride that is then, you know, comes out in, in your work? Yeah. So the first, the first thing, first and foremost, besides my faith is, is my kids. So my, I am, I grew up from with a single mother and didn't have a relationship with my father my entire life. Well, that's not true. When I was four years old was when four or five years old, when uh, I stopped having a relationship with my father. And I knew, I always knew I wanted to be a father. So for me, Every day, doesn't mean I'm the world's greatest father, but every day I fight like hell to become a better father. And I, and, and, and I say it, I say to people, well, I want my kids to know how much I love them. I want to raise great kids. I do, it, I do everything for my daughters, which is all true. But the real caveat to that, the, real, the, the thing I don't talk about a lot is I do it for me also. Because when I'm a better father, when I'm the best version of myself as a father, I feel better about myself when I'm the best version of myself as a husband, which I'm not always, I feel better about myself. I feel more pride in myself. Um, when I, you know, I'm running all these marathons. When I, when I do the behaviors on, on Saturday, it was a hundred degrees out at seven o'clock in the morning and my training run called for a 17 mile run. And I so wanted to pack it in Every, you know, I was reading stories, don't run and all these excuses of why I, I, it'd be okay for me not to run. I found a way to do it. I still ran and I did it without risking my health. And at the end I was sore. I was tired. I was hot, but I felt good about myself. So I'm constantly chasing a feeling of how can I feel really good about myself in every aspect of my life? Because when I do that, amazing things happen for me, but amazing things happen for other people too. And on the same hand, when I'm when I don't live up to when I when I'm not my, the best version of myself as a friend, or when I'm not the best version of myself as a as a husband or a son or a father, or as a trainer as a business owner, when I do things that I'm not proud of, I have to accept that accept that feeling as well. I have to figure that out. Why did I make that decision? Why did I snap at my wife? Why didn't I do the things I was supposed to do? Why did I why did I take the day off of the training program? And I have to examine that. I can't let, I can't stay in that. 
And I have to immediately find a way to overcome that with more pride, not excuses, but pride. So I accept it. And then I'm like, all right, I wasn't the best version of myself. I feel shame. I feel regret. I feel remorse. I feel all these negative feelings. I got to do something. I got to force myself to find a way to feel really good about myself right now. And that's, and some people are going to listen to this and say, well, that's really selfish, Chad. And I agree it is, but I think in order to be selfless in the world, you have to be selfish and love yourself first and feel pride about what you're doing in this world. Because when you do that, you can exponentially change the world out there. Does that make sense? Yeah, no question. I, I think too, that it's important for people to understand that every single act that you do, you know, every single minute of the day or every single task that you do doesn't need to, or isn't necessarily going to give you this euphoric feeling yeah. all the time. Right. You know, I, like I know for me, there's, there, there's moments, right there. They come in, they come in little moments and those moments are what keep you going. I remember, you know, it's like they say golf, right? You go play 18 holes of golf and you get shoot 102 and, you know, 101 of them were terrible swings, but you hit that one golf ball so crisp and it was perfect straight down the fairway. And the, the old saying is that sh- the shot that keeps you coming back. Yeah. And, and I, for me as a, as a professional, I see those a couple of different ways. When I started off in say like in sales, specifically new home sales, you know, you can, you can, it's a, sometimes it can be a grind. And then you come across that one person or that one family that never in a million years thought that they would ever, because no one in their history, their family had ever owned their own home before. And you're able to sit that person down and show them a path on how to get something that they never thought was attainable. And then when they, when they realize it, and while they're signing the paperwork, they're just in tears because they just, cannot believe that you've now helped them achieve something that they never thought was ever possible. And I, I get like, I get goosebumps today thinking about that. I can remember that specific moment, but then as you progress as a leader, it, sh- it shifts into much more of how can I help, you know, just like helping homeowners get into a new home. How do I help people around me? How do I help team members achieve more and for me, it's always those light bulb moments when you're working with somebody and you see the light bulb go off and that, you know, it could have been a hell of a day and then it could be towards the end of the day. And then that one light bulb moment keeps you coming back until you can find that light bulb moment again. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's so, I can't even begin to tell you how, if, if I was, if I was in the same room with you right now, I would literally give you a hug and a high five probably. <laughs> what you said is exactly right. And I think it, listen, it boils down to a couple things, right? First, first, you have to believe that you're worthy of this type of self-love. You're worthy of this type of life. Everything, you don't get what you want in life. You get what you believe you're worthy of. And I spent most of my life not believing I was worthy of much. The wrong stories, the wrong mindset, the wrong belief systems, excuses and alibis, and just bad, bad stories. And I didn't get much. I got exactly what I believed I was worthy of. I didn't realize this, obviously, until later in life. But, but now, my life, I get exactly what I believe I'm worthy of. And I believe that I control that life. And I believe that I truly believe that I'm worthy of a life of abundance. Of, and I mean abundance of, I don't mean abundance of stuff. I mean abundance of love, abundance of joy, abundance of health, abundance of success, ab- abundance of everything, right? I don't, th- I don't believe that I was born to be capped or limited, like, 
you can only hit this limit. I believe that I was born limitless. And it's for me to continue trying to have more, again, more love, more joy, more gratitude, more, more of the things. I'm chasing that feeling every day. But, but you get what you believe you're worthy of. And so most people don't understand that or they believe that they're worthy of much less. So they just get what they get and, and they say, well, you know, this is good enough. Well, I don't subscribe to that. I believe that you're, you can have more. What are some examples that people can actually do today to believe that they are, are worth more? Yeah, yeah. Perfect. That's a great question. I, I think first is surround yourself with the right people. And obviously, I surrounded myself with people that um, allowed me to have a, a, a limited mindset, a limited belief system. I surrounded myself with empathizers. And empathizers are great when you, when you need empathy. But most people don't need more empathy in their life. What they need is more uh, self-love. They need more radical candor. They need people that are going to tell them, hey, listen, this isn't, you're, you're not heading down the right path. And I'm not judging you. I'm here to make you see that you're worthy of so much more. That, that you, so to me, finding people that are disruptors, that are going to throw you into another course, like somebody that's not going to, a salesperson that's, you know, the, the last thing you need is an empathetic sales manager. And we talk about empathy all the time. Having empathy at certain times is awesome. But having empathy all the time and allowing people to stay in their comfort zone, stay where they are, to me is, is, is really tough. The challenge with that, though, Molly, is in order to be uh, radical, give radical candor to people, in order to um, really give people the truth as you see it, doesn't mean it's the truth, it just means it's your truth about what you see, um, you need to have a relationship with them. And they, you need to have a trust factor. You need to, they need to believe that you care about them and you love them. And so for me, even as a trainer, I could go into a room and I could say, hey, listen, this is how you should sell. And I could give you the 10 steps of how to sell. But if, but if those people in that room don't know that I care about them, not care about them as sales professionals, care about them as human beings, they're worthy of more, they're going to shut me out more times than not. They're not going to listen or they're not even going to hear me. So for, for us, it's not about, it's about surrounding yourself with the right people, to me, is the first, first and foremost. Like, who do you have around you that's going to challenge you to change your way of thinking and not allow you to stay in your, in your comfort zone? And two, it's what are you filling your head with? I fill my head with, a t I, I can't read enough. I didn't finish my first book until I was 25 years old, and now I read at least a book a week. And it's, I fill my head with, how to how to how to find self love like books like Return to Love by Marianne Williamson, uh, Universe has got you back by Gabrielle Bernstein. Um, I I surround my I fill my head with as many positive amazing stories as possible. Stories of I just read the biography of Nelson Mandela, which was unbelievable. And so what are you what are you filling your brain with? What are you filling your belief system with? And the and the third thing is what are you tell what are the stories you tell you're telling yourself. So to me, the most important thing you can do as a human being is change the stories. And we spend a lot of time with that in our trainings and our program is helping people rewrite their stories, figuring out what's the story you, you're currently using and is it serving you well? And if it's not, let's rewrite it. Let's, help, let's rewrite a new story. What's the life you really believed you always wanted? What's the story you always wanted but never believed you were really worthy of? 
And that sounds very frou-frou-y, but when people actually put pen to paper and realize, I don't know why I'm settling. Think about it. Molly, you have children, right? You have two? I do. Two. Yep. And how old are they? I have a seven-year-old and a two-year-old. A seven-year-old and two-year-old. Okay. What's the seven-year-old's name? Zachary. Zachary. So what age will you have the talk with them? No, not not that. Talk. <laughs> I wish you could see my face. I'm like, which talk are we talking about here? The, I mean, the talk that goes like this. So, Zachary, listen, I wanted to sit you down and I wanted to have a conversation with you. You're about that time that I need to spread some, some real truths on you. And the truth is that um, the world is a very mean, spiteful place. And it's tough. It's really hard. And at some point in your life, you're going to be capped. You're going to be limited. And you're not going to be able to achieve anymore. And you're, you'll just get to the point where good is good enough. And you just got to settle. And then maybe that's in your business life or maybe that's in your in your personal life, maybe your love life or with your kids. But at some point, you just have to accept this is as good as it gets. And when that happens, don't be afraid. Just just lean into that. And that's that's how life works. At what age will you have that? Will you have that conversation? With Never, that? ever, ever in my life. <laughs> my, my skin is crawling. I'm like, oh, my gosh, that's my worst you nightmare. Have, you would never have that conversation. Never. Right. Never, never as a parent. Why wouldn't you have that conversation? Because you're never capped. And accepting that would just go against everything I believe. Yeah. So, so, but most of us as adults, we live that. I, I could see that. Most of us adults, we, we stop wanting more, more love, more joy, more happiness, more impact. We, we, we downgrade our own importance. I'm just a, I'm just a sales professional. I'm just a, a dishwasher i'm just this i'm just that we, we down downplay our own importance in our life but as a kid we never said that we never said well i hope to just be a dishwasher one day or i hope to just be a salesperson one day we we, we attack a life with these full eyes and then something happened we just settled and we, but we would never lead other people to that and so i think that most companies what they're what they're seeing now is that and this is where I, I talk to a lot of the leaders and I'm like, stop motivating your employees. Stop trying to motivate your employees and start facilitating pride. Start facilitating a, a place where they feel so good about what they do and the impact they're having. If you think about it, Molly, think about your company, right? You own one of the, not, I can't even say one of, the premier marketing company in the in the new home building space, correct? I'm saying you, you're the bomb diggity dog, I would, correct? Yes. yes, I'll answer that, yes. <laughs> I like you that you are. said the bomb diggity dog. That's amazing. That's going to be yeah, my ringtone. The bomb.com. <laughs> like you're, you're, you're the best at what you do currently. And what's think about it. So think about right now how many lives Group 2 impacted last year. Tell me how many lives Group 2 impacted last year. Immeasurable. Like millions. If you think about it, you work with hundreds of home builders around the country. And if you took all of those home builders, you had all your, every client you had up and you came up with the number. So X, this is very quantifiable how many home builders, how many clients you have, right? You could go into your CRM system, whatever you use, and you could tell me within two minutes, you could tell me how many clients you have, correct? Yes. You don't have to, but yeah, right? Easy, easily measurable, right? Yes. Now, if you took all of those home builders, and you figure out how many homes they sold last year, how many homes they built, and how many homes they sold. Well, 
you can come up with the number. Again, easily measurable. Let's say it's 20,000 homes. I'm making a number up here, right? 20,000 homes. Well, the 20,000 homes have an average of four family members. Well, you could do that math. Well, each home also has 25 to 30 trades that work in it. Those are employees that have families. Those families have their families of four. You could do this family tree all the way, this tree all the way down and realize because what you do and your employees do on a daily basis impact the lives of hundreds of thousands of people. When you start to talk like that, you start to realize the impact that everything you do that matters, everything you do matters, it'll give you such a sense of, of worth and feeling of gratitude and love and all these amazing feelings that you're making a difference in this world that you would be guided by that mission. And that's how somebody becomes mission-minded rather than commission-minded. When you don't know the, the end result of, the, of what you're doing, you don't know the impact you're having in the world, then it's easy to lean on money. But when you, I'll, I'll, I'll take that feeling of, of having an impact in the world over any size check any day of the week. It lasts longer, it's sustainable, and it will help you live your life of, a life of fulfillment. You know what yeah, I mean? That, I, I know that's it. corny. It's not corny. But the, the, best, the best things in life are corny, right? They're, they're corny for a reason. I'll tell you this. I'll leave you. I'll tell you this one story. I don't know how much time we have, but I'm going to tell you this one story. <laughs> so, so, so two weeks ago, I get a call. I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to use this gentleman's name because I haven't asked if I can share this story. So uh, I get a call from a, from a client of mine, an, an employee of a client of mine. And they've been a client of mine for a couple of years. And we do weekly calls with this team. And on my, what we talk about a lot is we talk about sales tactics, right? So tactical how to sell uh, in this program. We do have a, different, a lot of different programs, but this is a sales program. Sales tactics, but we also talk about beliefs and mindset tactics. It's probably 50-50. So nothing's really off limits. And this is a huge company. This is a, it's a really, really large international company. And so this gentleman calls me, and he's, he's in his probably late 50s or, or mid-50s maybe. And he's of Indian descent. And I've known him for three years. Great human being, great father, great husband, just great human being. And he calls me on my cell phone and he says, Chad, do you have a couple minutes to talk? And I said, sure, what's, what's up? He said, I wanted to tell you that you changed my life. I'm like, oh, that's awesome. Thanks, thanks for sharing that. And he goes, no, I, I don't think you understand. And I said, what do you mean? He said, I, I want to tell you what, what happened. He said, I'm in my 50s. He said, and he's of, I said he's of Indian descent. And he said, my entire life, I, my religion and my faith have said that I should wear a dot on my forehead. But I've never worn the dot. It's caused problems with my family, with my, my parents. But I didn't wear it because I was not ashamed, but I was afraid of what people would think in the business to business world. This guy's a professional, highly educated, highly, highly educated individual. And he said, and I was, I was petrified of what people would think and what um, others would say about me, whether they'd want to do business with me. It caused problems in my, with my faith and my, my priest. And he used a different name for priest, but my priest. Um, he said, you know, they questioned me. My parents were, they were not ashamed, but they couldn't understand why I didn't embrace this. And I felt like I'm trying to tell my kids to do it, but I'm not doing it. He said, and then we had the call with you. And, the, and, I, and I remember the call specifically. 
So the call, that call was, was all around this feeling of self-love. And so, and, and self-love and how self-love affects our end business results, how, what we achieve in this world. And he said, and I got off the phone and I had told a story on the call about um, how I wear a bracelet that says I am enough, right? And he said, I got off the call and I was like, man, I wish I had the courage to do that. And he said, so he, he, he really late, like thought about it overnight and he said the next day he woke up and he put the dot on his forehead. He said, and he went to work that day and nobody said anything. And then the next day he went to work and nobody said anything. He said, and he felt so good those two days. And he went home to his parents. He went to see his parents that, that, that weekend. And he said his parents told him it was the great, single greatest gift they could ever, that he could ever give them, that he wore this dot. And he said, I will never not now spend a day of my life without this dot on my forehead. He said, it changed the life of my family and my faith. It makes me feel so good to embrace who I am and to love myself first. And I'm, I'm, he's telling me this story. I'm sitting in my office. I'm bawling, crying. And to me, I don't say that to, like, to impress you, or to, but to impress upon you that everything we do matters. And, and that feeling, I will remember that story until the day I die. Until the day I leave this earth, I will remember that story and him telling me and the impact it had on my life. And selfishly, it made me feel amazing. It made me feel better than any commission check I've ever received in my entire life would ever make me feel because I believe that I'm fulfilling out my, what God's gift was to me. And this is my platform. Every human being alive is worthy of that feeling and has the ability to feel that way. The challenge is that they've just stopping themselves from feeling that way. They're stopping themselves from understanding the impact they have because they're downgrading their platform. They're, they're minimizing what they do or they don't know they're just unconsciously incompetent when it comes to that feeling of what they do matter. Absolutely. Sense, I'm feeling Mom? empowered. I'm ready to go. Yeah. yeah. To, yeah. To me, I'm ready for that workout. Yeah. <laughs> but, that, that's, but that's the, to me, again, that's maybe that's, that's a highlight of my career, that story. But, but, but everybody has that ability. I think we just spend way too much time trying to give people this the tools of how to be successful when this and i think there's a lot of them but i think the single greatest tool is unlocking this this ability for self-love and self-worth and really focusing on how what can i do today what can i do today that makes me feel really proud about myself with the right intent i'm telling you what can i do today like what what is something that you can do today molly that makes you feel really good about yourself like amazing just amazing amount of self-love. What can you do today to make yourself feel worthy and important and 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 amazing? I'll go back to amazing. Amazing. What can you do today? If you can find that, I'm telling you, somebody's going to benefit on the other end, but it's going to give you a great sense of intrinsic motivation to keep living your life searching for those. I spend my entire life searching for ways to, to love myself even more. And I do that not by loving myself in a way that makes me think I'm better than anybody else, but by contributing to the well-being. And it's so doable. Everyone can do that. Everyone who's listening can find one thing to do. So yeah, yeah, yeah. everyone. One thing. And if you do, just get it one. It's it's uh, Darren Hardy calls it the um, gosh, what's it called? Um, 
it calls it the big mo mo, but the compound effect. Like I do one thing that makes me feel yep. really good. And, and all of a sudden I'm like, Oh, I got this drop of dopamine and I feel really good about myself, man. I'm going to do something else. I'm going to do something else. Like I, the house is dirty and you're like, all right, I'm going to do the dishes and you clean the dishes up really well. And you're like, Oh man, I'm going to vacuum. And then you're like, you vacuum. That will you know, not be my one thing. I'm just letting you know. <laughs> I was going to say, I don't know what that, who does that, but it's not me. That's my wife. Like, that's definitely not my one thing like I'm moving i'm moving i'm on a, I'm, I'm on a roll so I, for me i know this i know that's probably most sales trainers come in most trainers come in and they just try to unlock these secrets of the one two threes of selling and i think that's important but i think really what's important is get people who are in this career that didn't set out to be in this career get people that are in this career to feel really good about the impact they're making in the world. And if we can do that, if we can get sales professionals in the home building industry to feel such a sense of self-worth, such a sense of empowerment that they're making a difference in the world, they will never have to worry about a commission check ever again, ever. Because it, people, people gravitate towards that and they will do the right things for the right reason and success will come upon them. That's that's my that's my faith. I believe that to the the core of who I'm. And spent it took me my almost my entire life to figure that out. And for me, that's how I wake up every day. What can I do today that I'm really proud of, and that my creator would say, "Job well done." And wow, that's me. Yeah, no, I, that's that's amazing. And I couldn't think of a better way to close out our show than that last statement right there. Like that sums it all up, right? What we do, the drive, um, and, and really, like you said, make it really simple and try to find that one thing. What's that one thing that you can do today that's going to help give you that intrinsic, that internal uh, motivation to keep coming back for more? So that that is uh, – And it's almost – Matt, it's well almost, almost always, 99.9999% of the time, has to do with contribution. Oh, yeah, for sure. Just contribute, All right. contribute to the betterment of somebody else. And I'm telling you, the world and your, your life will, will forever be changed. No question. No question. Okay. All right, Chad. What is, if, if our listeners, when they want to reach out to you and they want to learn more about you, they want to talk to you, um, what is the best way for them to, to, get, to get you? Mm. Uh, How can they find yeah, you? Yeah. So obviously, uh, I shouldn't say obviously, but social media. So on Instagram, Santagrin Chad, and uh, Facebook, same thing. And then I have a podcast called The Cannonball Mindset, which you know is awesome, and you should definitely listen to it because we had rock star Molly really Elton on. She crushed it, of course. She crushed. Yep. She crushes everything in life. You're going to be on very soon. Uh, we've had people like Gary Gary Vaynerchuk, who's in the uh, marketing space, on. We've had uh, Jesse Issa. We have some really amazing guests upcoming. And uh, so they can listen to the Cannonball Mindset or, I don't know, you can pick up your phone, call me, do whatever you have to get, do to get in touch with me, but I'm pretty accessible. <laughs> Send carrier pigeons if you want. I don't care. Kind of, Smoke signals, yeah, carrier whatever. pigeons, just but whatever you do, you need to reach out to Chad. You need to figure out a way to connect with him because if you if you're not motivated, and I, the motivation's not even the right word. If you're not inspired to do something better every single day, um, then ch ch I don't know what'll do it. Chad, this guy, this guy will help you get there for sure. Awesome. Okay, Chad. Well, thank you so much. I mean, what? It, 
absolute pleasure to have you on the show and uh i can't wait to see you again soon in person this time yeah. uh not over the interwebs the magic of the internet i'm right down the road from molly in philadelphia so anytime you guys are there and you're like hey there's a six eight guy that needs to be fed at reading terminal you just call <laughs> me and i'll i'll, I'll be there in an hour <laughs> Uh, what what I gotta ask? What did we eat? I don't even remember what we ate. What was that oh crazy? Molly's husband. What's your husband's name? Daniel. Molly? We went to Donardo's for pulled pork sandwiches. Yeah, with broccoli rob. With broccoli. That's it. Broccoli rob. Like, what's broccoli rob? <laughs> like what is what is wrong with that Riley guy? Oh, you're from Carolina though, so you. Uh, yeah. yeah, I'm in Philadelphia, and they're telling me I need to get pulled pork <laughs> in Philadelphia. Pork I'm like, broccoli what? rob on it. It's like I'm not. Was kidding. it good or was <laughs> it good? <laughs> It was good. I will. I will give you that. It was. It was. Good. It was. It was the bomb. And then wash it down with the Vicaro's uh, cannoli. So I mean, the Termini Brothers That's cannoli. So, so you can't. That's you right. Can't, you, you can't. Yes, I'm really. I really have a ton of gratitude for the two of you, and you guys are amazing. Group two is is sets sets the bar. So the fact that I'm even uh, on this podcast with you just tells you how how great my life is and how uh, <laughs> how much gratitude I have for the two of you and everything you guys do. Thank you, Chad. Well, thank you so much, Chad. All right. All right. Well, to be to, to be continued to another time. Yeah, yeah. All right. Thanks, Thanks, Chad. Thanks for coming uh-huh. on. Bye-bye. All right. Thank you so much, Chad. We loved having you on the show today. Absolutely. Great, great topic. Thanks so much for coming on and can't wait to have him back on soon. You guys should make sure you go and uh, connect with Chad for sure on social and uh, you'll definitely be inspired. So, all right. Well, that is going to do it for us this week. Thank you all so much for joining us on episode number two of Building Perspective. Just remember, you can join the conversation on our Facebook group, Building Perspective, where you can ask questions, get them read and answered on the show. And who knows, maybe we might have a few little special prizes for you too. It's been fun building perspective together and we will talk with you soon.